Good morning. It's a privilege and an honor to be here and to share God's word with you. I'm very excited. The worship was very special this morning. I don't know if you felt the same. Thank you so much to the worship team. Thank you. When I look at Pastor Louis, he looks so chilled and so relaxed on the couch and just saying hello. I wish I was him, you know. <laughs> he looks so cool. He makes it look so cool. Um, we've been on Be Ready in this whole term, and it's been such an exciting to see what Jesus wanted us to be and who he wanted us to be. And last week, Neil spoke about just that prayer that Jesus prayed, praying for for himself, he prayed for the disciples, he prayed for all the believers. And in the end of that prayer, Jesus prays that they would love one another, that they would love one another, that the world will know by the way they love one another. And so I felt that the appropriate scripture for this morning, we will be reading it from Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12 from verse 9 to 21. Romans chapter 12 from verse 9 to 21. I'll be reading it from the NIV version. Romans chapter 12, from verse 9 to 21. This is what it says. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual favor, saving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be considered. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let us bow our heads and pray. Lord, your word is truth. Your word is life. Father, if I think of just even this portion of scripture we just read now, how potent it is, Lord, how rich it is that you directly speak into our lives, into our situation, into our relationship with you. Thank you that your word doesn't only encourage, but it also rebukes. It also directs. This morning, Lord, may you open our hearts and may we hear exactly that which you want us to so we can go out and live for you, so we can go out and be an example of how kingdom life looks like. In Jesus' name, amen. Very powerful portion of scripture. It's also one of the favorite 
portion of scripture, Romans chapter 12. It's the one that speaks about the renewing of your mind. But before I jump into this portion of scripture, I want to highlight a couple of things about it. One of the things that Jesus was praying, as Neil was sharing last week, Jesus was praying for key important parts about how we are to conduct ourselves in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is about the condition of our it's set on the condition of our hearts, how we respond to God and how we decide to live for Him. And so He gave us in the word on how we are to do this, how we are to love one another, take care of each other, how we are to live for Him and connect with Him. How we are to conduct our lives in such a way that it brings glory to Him. And so in this portion of scripture, in Romans, as we know, Phoebe is the one that delivered the word. Paul was not there. He's never been to Rome in this time. And he was writing to the Romans because he heard that they now believe in the Lord and they want to live for him. But then he sends them this, this letter. This letter addresses all their challenges, all their issues. And so part of it is that he was encouraging them that they must love one another. Phileo love, brotherly love. They must take care of one another. They mustn't lose heart in saving the Lord. And so Paul, in this letter, he addresses all these things, especially this portion of Scripture from 9 to 21. It's like he just keeps on nailing the most important thing. It was like he's running out of time. He needs them to know all about this. If you read it from the NIV version, it has a title on top. It says, Love in Action. Love in Action. But the title of the message this morning is this. A call to love like Jesus. A call to love like Jesus. We are called to love like Jesus because he lives in us. Those who said Jesus is Lord of our lives. Jesus lives in you and so you are called to love like him. I don't know about you, but whenever I think about loving Jesus, I get overwhelmed just to say, Lord, I love you, because I feel like I'm not worthy to even say that. But now, in the scripture, it takes it further. It says that we are to love our brothers and our sisters in the Lord. And so, love in action, it becomes a very challenging thing. Because in our own strength, we cannot love one another. We need the Lord to help us to love one another. Maybe you are one special person in the whole world who loves everyone just the same. But I can tell you, for me, I need the Lord to help me to love others. Because it's no way possible for me to do it in my own strength. The Lord requires that we love one another fully. If you read that portion of scripture, especially in verse 9, it says love must be without hypocrisy. Love must be without hypocrisy. It's a very powerful, potent part of scripture. And so love in action must be visible. It must be visible for everybody to see that you really, truly love. It must be without any hypocrisy. When you say something to someone, when you're looking at them, and when you turn around, you say something else about them. That's hypocrisy. The Lord is not pleased with that. 
In the NIV version we just read now, it says that love must be sincere. Why must it be sincere? Because it cannot be hypocritical. You cannot say something and do something and then change and be something else. And so love in action in this portion of scripture is that we are to be the people that are worthy to be called the children of God. Love must be without hypocrisy. Love is supposed to honor the other person. Love is supposed to serve the other person. And so to love like Jesus is not simple, but we are called to love like he loved. And so we need his help to love like Jesus loved. Do you love the way Jesus loves? Do you show honor to others? Do you serve others? And you serve them in the name of the Lord. That you give them your best because you know this is what God has called me to do. This is who he is in me. You see, how I treat you is reflective of the God who made you. And I have to see that. I have to treat you in a way that reflects that I honor the God that made you. And so this love in action is so important that Jesus, in John 17, he prays for it. Interesting just when I was reading this, Jesus doesn't pray that, Lord, as they do good things on earth, people will know that they are mine. He doesn't say, as they pray for others and they get well and things go well, that they will be known that they are mine. He says that as they love one another, others will know that they are mine. The world will come to the knowledge that they are mine. Why that portion? This is so important that Jesus prays for this love. That we are to love one another. I would like to put this out this morning and say, if you have something against your brother, your sibling, your sister, anyone that is out there, that you will make room in your heart to forgive them. That you will ask the Lord to help you to let go of what happened, to forgive and allow his love to fill that void. Because we are called to love like Jesus. And so we are called to reflect him in the world around us. And so this portion of scripture is that powerful because it doesn't want anything less of us. It desires that we give everything to the Lord, that we love him fully. And so I would like to highlight four parts from this portion of scripture. Love in action, that's the first one that we are talking about now, that love must be sincere, it mustn't be hypocritical, it must honor others, love must serve others. It mustn't be selfish, looking only for, for itself, but, but to care enough to share with others. 
I'm reminded of a story that I once heard someone telling the story. And this story is about a young man. His name is Daniel. Daniel saved up all the money that he could put together. He wanted to buy himself a car. But he knew that he wasn't going to be able to buy a new car. And so Daniel put this money together and he, he saved up until he had enough money to buy a new car. So he went on and he bought this second-hand car. And when he got this car, he was so excited because it was such an achievement for him to buy this new car. But I think that's why they are called used cars. Because as soon as he had this car, it started to give him some problems. The engine revving was not right. Something was not, something was not settling about this car. And so Daniel went to his dad and said, Dad, do you know someone who can help with this car? Maybe a good mechanic that you may have a relationship with. And his dad said, yes, son, I know somebody. He has his number. Call him and tell him that you're going to come and you're going to get your car in and he can check it out. And so this young man, Daniel, he went and he got in and he found this guy and he took his car in. And I don't know if you've been to a mechanic when your car is giving problems. I've been to a few. <laughs> and so this young man, Daniel, he brought his car in and the mechanic said, hi, hi. You know, because the mechanic knew his father for a long time. He had a good relationship with his father. And so he opened up the bonnet and he told Daniel, Daniel, can you climb in, start the car? I want to hear what's wrong with it. Daniel climbed in, started the car, and the car started to make this funny noise. And when the car was still running, Daniel climbed out of the car. He came around the mechanic and he said to the mechanic, what is wrong with it? The mechanic didn't respond. He kept on fiddling in the, in the engine. And then he stopped and he looked at the engine. And Daniel asked him again, what is wrong with it? And the mechanic said this. And Daniel said, is it going to be fine? And the mechanic responded. <laughs> Daniel said that this was such an overwhelming whistle. He could never forget it, even today. And so the mechanic said, climbing take the car into the garage, I will check out what actually needs to happen with it. He took the car, he took two and a half hours, fixed the car up, got it out, and the car was sounding beautiful. But the young man, Daniel, was afraid that he's not going to be able to afford this bill that's going to come. Because of just the whistles of the mechanic told him, <laughs> this is a massive thing. And so the mechanic looked at him and he said, you don't need to pay me anything. And Daniel was so excited, he climbed in the car and he drove off just in case 
the mechanic changes his mind. Two hundred meters down the road, Daniel had a conviction in his heart. Perhaps this mechanic thinks that this is my dad's car. Perhaps he was doing my dad a favor because they have a long relationship. Perhaps he thought that this is not mine and he's just doing my dad a big favor. Let me turn around because I cannot live with the fact that I didn't pay anything for this car. So he drove back and he got back to the mechanic and says, I thought maybe you think this car may be my dad's car. It's not my dad's car, it's my car. Please tell me how much is it so I can be able to pay you. Daniel didn't have money because he just bought this car. And so the gentleman said to Daniel, Daniel, if you only knew how much your dad has done for me, I can never repay your dad. When you brought this car, I knew it was not your dad's car. I knew it was your car. And so what I did was, was because of your, the love that your dad has showed me and the journeys that we've walked together. That's why I fixed this car. Because your dad has showed love to me. And you see, dad is love in action. Dad is love in action. When you are, when you are in a position where you're not even able to do it yourself, somebody else has done it on your behalf. When somebody comes in and they show you kindness, when they serve you, when they honor you. Oh, I would like to encourage you. If there are those that continue to honor and to continue to support and love you, oh, appreciate them. Appreciate them. Pray for them. Because this is what's required of us to do. The second part on this portion of scripture that I would like to highlight is that we are called to love like Jesus. And not only that, but in our love, we are to be joyful in hope. Joyful in hope. We are to be joyful in hope. Joyful in hope, it means that we are to trust God, no matter what. That we are to trust and put our trust in God when things are not that easy. We are to continue to put our trust in God. The scripture says that we are to overcome evil with good. I don't know about you, overcoming evil with good in our own strength, it's not even possible. I can only overcome evil with good if the Lord reigns and rules inside of me. Does it make sense? I overcome by the blood of the Lamb. I overcome because He has overcome on my behalf. And so the Lord says that we are to be joyful in hope. If you remember Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, for the joy set before him. He what? He endured the cross. Who, what, what was Jesus going to be joyful about? He was joyful because he saw this. Where we are today, where we come to know who he is. That is his joy. When people come to the knowledge of, of Jesus and who he is, when people live and they know what the gospel is about, when they live for the Lord, that is his joy. We are to be joyful in hope. Joyful because of the Lord has done great things in our lives. We are to be joyful in hope because he is our hope. And so joy doesn't only depend on circumstance. 
But the joy is found in him. Our joy is him. We were singing this morning, you are our hope, Lord. And so the Lord is our hope. Our joy comes in from the fact that he is our hope. But can I just share this? You cannot have hope if you do not have faith in him. You need to have faith in him, that he is who he says he is. That he will do what he said he will do. Because our joy is in him. Joyful in hope. Joyful in the fact that he has done it all. Joyful in the fact that all things work out together for good, for those who believe in him and they trust in him. Joyful hope. And so I know that even though things are not easy now and they're challenging, I have hope that he is working it all for good. I would like to encourage you this morning. He is working it all for good. Your relationship with others, in your studies, in your workplace, in your family, in your finances. Oh, if you are in him, he is working it all out for good. Trust in him. Put your trust in him. Rely on him. Listen to what he says and do it. Because then your hope will be real. Because he is our hope. He is our strength. He is everything that we need. Jesus is our hope. And our joy comes from the fact that he is our hope. We are to overcome evil with good. I don't know how you do that. But I did read somewhere about a young man who was sent into World War II and he went to serve this, these soldiers in this military base. And he had to cook for them. He had to clean after them. But they didn't take care of him. They just kept on playing these pranks on him. One day when he woke up in the morning, he found his boots being nailed on the floor. One day when he was walking in, in his room, that he didn't know that there was a bucket of water on his door and there and when he opened the door, the water went splashed on him and he was all wet. And so they kept on playing these pranks on him, but he never said a word. He kept cooking for them, he kept cleaning up after them, but they never considered him value of any sort. Until one day they felt so sad that they need to go and ask for forgiveness. They came to him and they said, we are so sorry, we've been playing these pranks, we did all these things to you, can you please forgive us? This young man kept quiet for a while and he said, if you stop, now that you say you stop to do all these things on me, I will also stop spitting in your soup. <laughs> because there was no other way he could do it. He didn't overcome evil with good. He overcame evil with evil. What is the lesson of the story? We are to be different from this young man. We are to overcome evil with good. We are to be the opposite. And it's not simple, it's not easy. But our hope is in him. That he will work it out for the good. That even when we cannot take 
revenge in our own strength, that the Lord will stand on our behalf. The question this morning is, will you trust in him? That he works all things for the good, that you are to be joyful in hope. So the first part was love in action. The second part was being joyful in hope. And the third part is be patient in affliction. Be patient in affliction. How do we become patient in affliction? How do we become patient in affliction? The fact is, it's not easy. It's close to impossible to do that thing. We are called that we, we must be the ones that we mustn't take revenge. We must be the ones when wrong is done to us, we don't take revenge because the Lord says he will avenge on our behalf. That he will take our case. That he will stand on our behalf. Being patient in affliction requires that we are willing to forgive others. We must be willing to forgive others. Are we willing to forgive others? Those that hurt us and did us wrong? You see, to love like Jesus did, we must have forgiveness. Here's reality. The reality is, if you do not forgive, Jesus said, if you do not forgive your brother, the Lord will not also forgive you when you ask him for forgiveness. And that's why when we pray, we say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. It means we cannot be forgiven if we do not forgive those who trespass against us. And so we are called to forgive others and not take revenge. It says that as far as it is possible for you, live in peace with everyone else as far as it is possible. Interesting that the Bible will put that verse like that. Because the reality is sometimes it's just not possible to live at peace with everyone. Amen. It's difficult. But we are encouraged to live in peace with everyone else. And so we are not supposed to re take revenge. We are supposed to forgive. We are supposed to live at peace with everyone else. I don't know about you, but these are very, very heavy things. This stuff is not milk. This is solid food. Because it requires us to respond to the Lord. And so we are to be patient in affliction. But something about affliction is that why is it that they use the word patient there? Because it's difficult. It, takes, it feels like forever every time you go through a difficult time, isn't it? It takes very long. It feels like you are, you are suffocating from this thing. It's killing you. I'm reminded of Psalms chapter 13, verse 1 and 2. David, he's crying out to the Lord. And these are his words. How long, O Lord? How long, 
will you forget me forever? But how long, O Lord, will you hide your face from me? But how long, O Lord, will the enemy triumph over me? But how long, O Lord? David is crying out to the Lord. He's saying, how long, O Lord? Because when affliction takes place, it always feels like it's just forever. How long, O Lord? But I love David. He doesn't leave it there, crying out to the Lord. If you jump in verse 5, he says these words. But I will trust in the Lord's unfailing love. I will rejoice. I will trust in the Lord's unfailing love. I will rejoice in his salvation. I will praise his name for he has been good to me. Reality is, these things do exist. How long, O oh Lord? How long, O oh Lord? How long will this affliction continue? But the Lord, I love how he uses David there. For he has been good to me. We can draw faith from how the Lord has dealt with other situations before the one we are in. And we can know that he will come through. Patient in affliction. David strengthened himself in the Lord, the Bible says. We are to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. The fourth point that I wanted to highlight from this portion of scripture. It was love in action, joyful in hope, patient in affliction. The last one is we are to be faithful in prayer. Faithful in prayer. We are to remain faithful in prayer because the Lord wants to engage with us through the hardships. We are to pray and Prayer means that we put him first. We will say, God, we put you first because we realize that in our own strength, we just cannot do these things. We put you first, faithful in prayer. Here's the question. Are you faithful in prayer? Setting aside some time to hear what the Lord has to say? Spending time in his word? Because the Lord says that we must do that. We must be able to put him first, remain faithful in prayer. Continue to call upon him. In season, out of season, we are called to put him first. God wants to put us, put him first, us to him. Lord, we put you first. We realize that we cannot do this. So we are to, to be faithful in prayer. But once you are faithful in prayer and you hear what the Lord says to you, we are to obey his commands. We are to obey his commands. Because you can listen to the Lord and you hear what he says and you're happy that he spoke to you, but when you go out, you cannot even live those things. 
You cannot even respond to him in how you live. So we put him first, but we also obey his commands. A story is told about C.S. Lewis. He's a famous Christian author, and he wrote up to about 30 books. And there's a movie that is out there that they did quite a while back called Shadowlands. And in this movie of Shadowlands, they show how C.S. Lewis met his wife. And his wife, Joy, was the one that they got married and they did this relationship. But then, just when they are about to get married in this movie, when they are about to get married, uh, Joy, Joy was uh, contracted with cancer. She got cancer. And so it became difficult, but they went through anyway and they got married trusting God that he will heal her and she will be fine. And so it was not easy for them in the time. C.S. Lewis, I think, wrote two books even based on that era where he was in that season where he was in. And it became so difficult for him to continue, and it was difficult for him to continue to connect with the Lord. Prayer became difficult because his wife was getting worse. And so it came to a point where his wife died, and she wasn't healed, and it became very difficult for him. But when that moment came, these were C.S. Lewis's words because his friend Christopher came and he spoke to him, and he said to him, are you going to be fine? Are you, are you okay? You trusted God. This is what happened. Are you still going to be fine? And these were C.S. Lewis's words to his friend. I pray because I cannot help myself. I pray because I am helpless. I pray because I cannot hold it in. It just comes out from the need that I have. Waking and sleeping, I keep on praying. Because this prayer doesn't change God. It changes me. And so when we pray, we don't try to turn God's arm and twist it. It's not from that place. Whenever we pray from a place where we are desperate and we say we're crying out to you, Lord. We pray so that it changes us. So that we may know that God is who he says he is. And so I would like to encourage you this morning. Be faithful in prayer. Because as you pray and as you put time to spend with the Lord, it doesn't change him. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so it changes us so we can be more like him. So we can be more like him. So how is your love looking like this morning? Because this is exactly what Jesus was praying for in John 17. 
when he said that they are to love one another. They are to love like I loved. They are to live like I lived. And so each one of us is in a different space, in a different season, and that's okay. But the Lord wants to draw near to you. He wants to walk with you in that season so you can reflect more of him in your life. So his kingdom can come. So the world can know that we are his by the way we love one another, by the way that we love the Lord. And so we are called this morning to love like Jesus loved. Not in our own strength, but in his strength. Amen. I would like to invite you to stand and we pray. Only God is, is, God's, is, a, is a God of hearts. And he, he loves each one of us. And each one of us who say, Lord, be the king of my life. Lead me, Lord. Guide me. And discipline me, Lord. I'm, I want to be, be found in you. And so this morning, I would like to just give you even this moment. Just as you stand and you say, Lord, I come before you again, before the throne of grace. And I lay down myself again. I ask, Lord, that my love may be in action, that I may be joyful in hope, that I may be patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. Father, I pray this morning that each one of us, Lord, that as we come before you, that we would be found, Lord, uh, lacking, but, but, Lord, also available for you to Take each one of us. Where we need to forgive, that forgiveness would come, Lord. Where we need to trust in you, that trust will come. Where we need to show love and honor in, to others, that, Lord, it will also come. Where our prayer lives lacked something, that, Lord, it will come. And thank you, Lord, that you love us. But, Lord, may our lives also show that we love you in how we live, in how we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you so much. Have a blessed week ahead.